0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Welcome to Washington Watch. Once again, we're broadcasting from the studios of his channel here in Southern California. So glad that you've uh, tuned in today. Coming up on this Wednesday edition, an armed man was arrested outside the home of Justice Brett Kavanaugh this morning. The man reportedly telling police he wanted to kill the justice in response to the leaked Supreme Court opinion in the Dobbs abortion decision. With the -the over-the-top rhetoric from liberal politicians, this should come as no surprise.
2: This is exactly the kind of event that many worried the unhinged, reckless, apocalyptic rhetoric from prominent figures toward the court, going back many months, and especially in recent weeks, could make more likely.
1: That was Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell on the Senate floor earlier today. The House voting on the Democrats' gun control measures this evening. The measures passed out of committee last week along party lines. The bills cobbled together over a half dozen different measures that were previously introduced. While uh, they will advance out of the House, most likely they are unlikely to get the 60 votes needed in the Senate. But a bipartisan group of senators are working on legislation that will focus on mental health, red flag laws, and school safety. The question is, is Washington missing the real problem, the loss of morality in our culture? We'll talk later with uh, Dr. Ben Carson, former secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. You won't want to miss that conversation. And the uh, Supreme Court has yet to hand down that decision in the Dobbs abortion case, but a group of senators are not waiting. To make clear, they will not support any budget that violates the separation of abortion funding and taxpayers. The chairman of the Senate Pro-Life Caucus, Montana Senator Steve Daines, joins me in just a moment. And the Department of Homeland Security putting out an alert focused on a heightened threat of domestic terrorism as we move toward the midterm election. The question is, what's missing in their alert It's shameful what these abortion activists have done,
3: but it's even more shameful that you don't hear a denunciation of this violence of pro-life pregnancy centers from the sources of power. Where is the legislature? Where is HOCO? Where is Biden? Where are they?
1: That was Jim Harden, the CEO of Compass Care in Amherst, New York, that was attacked by uh, activists. Uh, We'll talk a little bit later with Senator James Langford, a member of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security. About this. As I mentioned, I am here in Southern California. I'll be speaking tonight at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. If you're in the area, come by and uh, join us, or you can watch right here on his channel or online at 7 p.m. Pacific time. I will say there are a lot of good people here in California. In fact, a lot of them spoke out yesterday at the polls, and we're going to talk about that with Jonathan Keller, president of the California Family Council. We'll also talk about a proposal yesterday from a California legislator to put Drag Queen 101 into K-12 through curriculum. California State Senator Scott Weiner was responding to a Texas legislator who is seeking to ban drag queen shows that have children in the audience. I tell you, the weather out here is nice, but the politics, well, it actually makes Washington, D.C. look sane. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And by the way, if you've not already visited FRC's new online news site, I encourage you to go to WashingtonStand.com. This is the site that many of you have been asking for news and commentary from a biblical perspective. In fact, two of my guests today have pieces on the Washington Stand, Dr. Carson and Senator Lankford. So go to WashingtonStand.com. The word for today comes from Psalm 51. And I chose this because this is David's prayer to God following his repentance of his murderous affair with Bathsheba, which we read yesterday. Psalm 51.1. God, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. As long as we have breath, we are not beyond the reach of God's grace. To join the Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, visit frc.org slash Bible. You can download the chronological reading plan right there on the site. Well, as I mentioned early this morning, an armed man was arrested near the home of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. The suspect, who was carrying a gun, a knife, and pepper spray, reportedly told officers on the scene that he wanted to kill the justice after finding his address on the Internet. Now, meanwhile, churches and pro-life facilities continue to fall victim to acts of violence and vandalism by pro-abortion activists, with the latest being a pro-life pregnancy center in, uh, outside of Buffalo, New York, that was firebombed yesterday. The question is, is there more that can be done to protect pro-life advocates from this, uh, th- th- these attacks that are being generated because of the possible overturning of Roe v. Wade? Why are we not hearing anything from the administration on this? With me now to talk about this, U.S. Senator Steve Daines of Montana. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Finance Committee. He is also the founder and chair of the Senate Pro-Life Caucus. Senator, welcome back to the program. Good to be with you, Tony. Uh, First, can I get your reaction to the arrest of this man outside the home of Justice Brett Kavanaugh?
3: Well, I was up early this morning in Washington, and I was uh, perusing through my Twitter feed, and I saw the news where this man was arrested the wee hours of the morning. Uh, violence is never the answer. No matter what side you're on, on any issue, violence is never the answer. Uh, this is shocking. I, uh, I feel just bad for Justice Kavanaugh and his family, you know, his his sweet wife, his children. Uh, and here we are, Tony, is, remember, it was over a month ago that we unanimously Passed unanimous. Now, not much gets done in the Senate with unanimous consent, but this did. It was a unanimous uh, motion to beef up security for our Supreme Court justices. The House has been sitting on that for over a month. Tony, I just got to say the hypocrisy that we're seeing, where here they're getting geared up with ABC producers that now are hired. Uh, with, with Schiff and the team there and the Democrats in the House to produce this made-for-TV January 6th hearings. So they're all wrapped around the axle on that, but they have doing nothing to lift a finger to move what we did in the Senate expeditiously to pass this provision that allows to beef up security for our Supreme Court justices. And I hope what happened this morning will be used for the good to get the House moving forward and get this done and on the president's desk.
1: Uh, Senator Daines, I mean, shouldn't we really be surprised by this when we hear such intense rhetoric from the other side? In fact, I want want to go back a ways and play a clip of the the Senate leader, uh, Chuck Schumer. Listen to this.
3: I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the
0: price.
3: You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions.
1: I mean, any surprise that there are lunatics out there that act on this type of rhetoric? Not at all, Tony, and that's exactly what
3: why that leak occurred from uh, the Supreme Court uh, on, on the Alito uh, opinion, because it's an attempt to intimidate the Supreme Court to change their minds. Frankly, it's sickening. Uh, when I see those comments... Uh, from schumer uh, it 's sickening because you are exactly right. there are deranged people in our country who will hear that and be motivated to take violent action and we 've got to take the temperature down in this moment of our history and and, and I, I think what, what Alito wrote in that draft opinion is so well written, so well argumented uh, i mean argued in terms of his arguments, and that 's why I just wish The both sides just look at the facts and look at the legal opinion versus this craziness of wanting to intimidate and perhaps harm Supreme Court justices.
1: But but Senator, you know as well as I do that facts are not what drive policy in Washington, D.C. We're seeing that play out right now with the gun control uh, discussion debate that's taking place. Look, it's a tragedy what's happened. But we're not looking at the facts. We're not looking at what is it that's in the heart of these young people that prompt them to do these types of heinous acts. We're talking about the instruments in their hand, not the void in their heart. And, and so it, it, we're pulling up people and making them recount tragic stories. It's all based on emotion, but not the fact. Not the facts that gun control doesn't work. I mean, we can see that. We see in Washington, D.C., strictest some of the strictest gun controls uh, laws in the country. But yeah, we had a, a gunman come in and shoot one of our people. Th- that's not the answer.
3: Tony's not the answer. And what's being lost, I think, in this discussion, what happened, the tragedy, Evaldi, Texas, is remember that school resource officer that's supposed to be on the post would have been there to defend those children was not there. Tony, imagine for a moment here in Washington, D.C., what if we had a couple of Capitol Police officers who decided to abandon their post and left a door open? And some crazed gunman came into the US Capitol and started to shoot. We would not be jumping to gun control. We'd be talking about what needs to be done to make sure that those Capitol officers were at their posts defending the Capitol. Why isn't there more discussion about what happened with that school resource officer? What we need to do to harden our schools? Listen, we've raised four children. They've attended the schools back in Montana. I want my children to be safe. But you're exactly right until you get to the core issue. First of all, understanding evil that's present in our society and how we defend innocence. And that will be through hardening targets and having men and women who understand how to operate a firearm and to guard our schools. That is not that complicated, but needs to be done. And let's not forget, you know, my good friend Dr. Oz Guinness talks about the importance of virtue to have freedom. Back to your point, Tony, on on the depravity of man and the and the emptiness of the heart and the darkness of the heart of man. You can't have freedom without virtue. And you can't have virtue without faith. It's that triangle the triangle. That that is so important, and we need to elevate that discussion in our country because You're the issues right. in our nation are bigger than just laws. The rule of law and the Constitution only work
1: when you have virtue and true freedom of the people. And, and we need to ha- we need to force that conversation. We need to force those who are that have the levers of power right now, the Democrats, the Biden administration, Chuck Schumer, to have that conversation, because you're absolutely right. Until we have that conversation, we're only going to be dealing with the symptoms and putting Band-Aids on a much bigger problem in our nation.
3: No doubt about it. And that's why it's the important role. You know, we we have limited capacity here in Washington. And we we're called to do this important work in terms of laws. And you know, God ordained the, the work of government, frankly, to, to restrain evil and ensure that, that societies and communities flourish. But without the with the work of the church, without faith that produces virtue, which produces then true freedom, that triangle we just talked about ultimately will never get the country back on a course. Where it needs to be uh, based on you know, the heritage we've had from our grandparents and great grandparents. We're drifting away from that, Tony, and that's got to be part of the dialogue and the solution for this country to continue yeah. to be the amazing leaders that we are and the hope of the world.
1: Senator, uh, we're, we're up against the break, but very quickly, is there going to be a compromise legislation piece of legislation coming out of the Senate on the uh, the issue of dealing with violence?
3: Well, I think if we, if we really get to the core issue, it's actually going to do something to keep our kids safe hardening the targets there as it relates to our schools, dealing with the issues of you know, when you make a threat on social media, that is a felony. These yeah. kids who make those kind of threats need to be arrested and charged with a felony. When we, if we were to do that, and we're seeing law enforcement do that across our country in certain cases, that's how you restrain evil. You don't just coddle them, put them through some little mental health counseling and release them. Those deranged young people will commit these horrible, murderous acts. Right. I want my children and grandchildren protected. You charge them with crimes, and you lock them
1: up. Enforce the laws that we have. Senator Steve Daines, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you, Tony. All right, folks, we're going to continue this conversation uh, when we come back. We're going to be joined by Oklahoma Senator James Lankford. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. More to come.
4: research council on an exciting two-year journey through the bible frc's stand on the word bible reading plan helps you to dive deeper into the nature of god and how his word speaks into the cultural issues of the day god has given us the bible as a way to understand the world by studying the bible we can see god's plan unfold throughout the past and be encouraged by how the truth of scripture is still relevant in our current day and will be into the future the Stand on the Word reading plan engagingly and thoughtfully takes you through the daily scripture to help you stay grounded in God's truth. You can start this reading plan with Family Research Council today. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your family and friends. Visit frc.org Bible to begin this journey through the Bible today.
5: Although most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, studies show that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. That is why Family Research Council's Center for Biblical Worldview was created. The center serves to help Christians understand the importance of scripture, why it must be authoritative, and how it can equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC Center for Biblical Worldview provide resources to help prepare believers to give a scriptural answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access these free resources at FRC.org worldview. See the center's latest blogs, op-eds, and publications by signing up for the newsletter at FRC.org worldview
0: email. want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you uh, joining us. All right. Yesterday, the Department of Homeland Security issued a terror alert stating that the U.S. quote, remains in a heightened threat environment, end quote, and that uh, continued proliferation of false or misleading narratives regarding current events could reinforce existing personal grievances and ideologies and combined with other factors could inspire individuals to mobilize to violence well at the top of that list are those who are supposedly calling for violence are called domestic violent extremists with grievances against the government's failure to secure the border as well as advocates on both sides of the abortion debate. Now last time I checked there wasn't anyone any pro-lifers going out and torching places it was the uh, pro-abortion crowd. Well. DHS also said it expects an increase in calls for violence as the U.S. enters midterm election season. But is it really violence and calls for violence that the Biden administration is concerned about? Joining me now to talk about this and more is U.S. Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma. He serves on five committees, including the Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs. And they just called votes, and so he's joining us by phone off the Senate floor. Senator, welcome back to the program.
2: Thanks. Glad to be with you again, Tony.
1: Uh, I'm going to get into this in a moment because uh, lead on our new news site, Washington Stand, is your op ed. Our families need us. And that really is at the core of what we want to talk about. But I do want to get your take on the DHS terror alert. What do you make of this?
2: Yeah, it's pretty remarkable uh, for them to be able to lay this out. What I've got to be able to dig in with them is what they have behind the scenes on it to be able to validate that. Uh, This reminds me uh, of a year ago when uh, Department of Justice said it was going to start investigating parents and tracking parents that come to school board meetings uh, to be able to make sure that they're not domestic terrorists, actually. Uh, instead of actually dealing with real threats out there, uh, targeting parents at school board meetings or targeting individuals that are politically engaged is the antithesis. And if you want to talk about what the, what the Constitution of the Bill of Rights protects, it is their right to have a redress of grievances with your government. Now, you and I, neither one of us would promote violence. We would, we would have disdain for violence in trying to be able to get someone's attention on this. So that this is not about anyone that wants to use violence to be able to have a political means. That is anathema uh, to our our American system of government, but we speak out on issues and shouldn't be restrained, and we shouldn't have anyone that is afraid to be able to speak out on political speech or as a parent speaking out at a school board meeting for fear of their own government putting them on a list.
1: Uh, Senator, what was absent in this alert is actually what we've seen happening over the last uh, about four to five weeks, and that is over a dozen attacks on churches and pro-life resource centers, or even family policy councils, like we saw in Wisconsin. Uh, In fact, the the latest uh, just uh, yesterday, a firebombing of a crisis pregnancy center uh, in New York. Why, Why is that not being addressed? I mean, we actually have church services being interrupted, which is a violation of federal law.
2: It is actually, and to be able to see what happened also here in washington d c uh with a pro life center that was actually vandalized, and then they spray painted on the side of the the building itself revenge uh so that clearly there's a threat, and that individuals that uh are pro life that are passionate about the value of every single child are clearly under threat from some individuals out there. And as we've seen even in the last 24 hours, when a, a individual uh, has now uh, been hit with attempted murder charges on Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh, uh, we don't know all the background on that at this point, but we've clearly seen uh, individuals that are unstable or individuals that are on the left also speaking out on some of these issues uh, that have provided real threats uh, for individuals that just want to be able to speak up for law and justice and the rights of a child.
1: Right. Um, The president, after the shooting in Texas, the elementary school, which which is is tragic. I mean, every shooting is is tragic. And and we want to do something. The president said, in God's name, let's do something. Well, I I think the first step would be to call on God's name. Uh, But in an op-ed that you've, a commentary that you've placed uh, on the Washington stand, You'd address this. What is this something? This something is going back to some of the elementary aspects of what made America a strong country. Tell us about it.
2: It is the foundation of our nations really around our families. Uh, we'll have a, When we have strong families, we have a strong nation. If we have weak families, we'll have a weak nation. Uh, for so many of these young uh, men, and it has been young men uh, over the past multiple decades now uh, committing different acts of violence, and we find that they're very disconnected from other people. Uh, they are, have disjointed family situations, all those things. And I don't know this particular family, uh, but we often find drug use and we find a disjointed family. But we also find it just in our schools and our structure. There, there seems to be this desire of the left to say, let's take a vote and to be able to fix our culture. Our culture is not fixed by Washington, D.C. It's fixed by families and communities and churches that are actually engaging in the lives of individuals. Uh, but it is foundational with our families. If Our, our family is where we learn work ethic. Our family is where we learn uh, staying off drugs. Our families is uh, where we learn how to be able to serve other people. Uh, our families where we learn the value of honoring God and others. Uh, so all of those things come from a family. If the family doesn't actually pass that on, society struggles to be able to instill those values. Uh, so while, I, while some will charge up for more governments and more government programs, government rises as families collapse. Uh, and as a conservative, right. we'll often try to jump on the stack of government and push it down. But really what we need to do is get under families and to be able to lift them up. Anything we can do to strengthen families and parents and those moms and dads will help our nation as well.
1: Well, and I think what we see with government, every new government program and, and, and power that it masses for itself, it crowds out the family. It sends right. a message to parents. We see this in education. You're not needed. We got this. Stay away. Uh, <laughs> if anything, we need parents back involved again. We will not solve what is ailing America. We will not find the solution without engaged parents and, and strong families. Because as you mentioned, the, when you look back, the last study I saw, 82% of these young men came from dysfunctional or broken families. That's tragic. Yeah.
2: It is tragic. So again, I, I come back to the most basic thing. Individuals that can, at their church, or through their community, their neighbors can mentor young families, uh, can help them in engaging with their kids because we've got some 25-year-olds that are raising a child that literally they didn't see as growing up, and they need just help uh, as well as being able to engage because if they decide... I'm going to have children, but the government's going to raise them. Uh, We're in trouble as a culture. It's got to be parents are responsible for their children, and parents have got to step up into that lead, and we've got to continue to be able to challenge challenge parents, take responsibility and engage, uh, because the future of the country rides on how we're raising our kids.
1: You could not be more on target with that. Uh, Senator James Langford, thanks so much for uh, joining us, and thank you for writing that piece on uh, Washington
2: Stand. Honored to be able to do it. Thanks, Tony, for your continuing work.
1: All right, folks, check that out. Go to WashingtonStand.com. All right, coming up, the deep blue state of California is not usually seen as a bellwether of U.S. politics, but yesterday's primaries should be sending off bells for Democrats. Warning bells, that is. Don't go away. We're back with more after this.
5: Most of us have at least one friend or family member who is pro-choice or have engaged with someone who doesn't share our pro-life views. As Christians, we are called to defend the weak and to speak truth in love. When we advocate for the unborn, we must do so in a way that is both honest and loving. At Family Research Council, we recognize the inherent dignity of every human life, from conception until natural death. The value of human life is not conditional upon its usefulness to others or an arbitrary evaluation of a person's quality of life. Rather, the value of human life is unconditional because God, the author of life, has created all humans in his image. FRC's Center for Human Dignity exists to give a voice to the voiceless by helping others speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Access our free resources at frc.org life so that you can address abortion, human trafficking, pornography, and more.
6: Attention, university students. Do you feel called to promote faith, family, and freedom in public policy and the culture? Are you hoping to grow in Christian leadership? Then join Family Research Council for an unforgettable internship. FRC's 12- to 15-week internship program is designed to educate university students who are passionate about public service and who believe that a biblical worldview is necessary for government to serve the people and for culture to thrive. As an intern, you work alongside FRC experts who will invest in your personal and professional development as you prepare to make a kingdom impact in the world. This paid internship offers free housing in D.C., allowing you to experience community with other faithful conservatives in the nation's capital. For more information and to apply, visit FRC.org internships. That's FRC.org slash internships.
1: This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us on this Wednesday afternoon. As I mentioned, we're broadcasting from Southern California. We're actually in the studios of his channel. And if you are watching on his channel, tune in tonight at 7 p.m. Pacific time. I'll be speaking at Calvary Chapel, uh, Chino Hills. Yesterday, seven states held their primary elections. And while the results are still being uh, processed and analyzed, the results in one state so far have stood out, California which saw the overwhelmingly Democratic electorates of Los Angeles and San Francisco. Uh, and, you know, they're two of the most liberal cities in America. Well, they spoke out very loudly in the left. I don't think they like what they heard. Here to talk about some of the surprising results from the deep blue state of California is Jonathan Keller. He's the president of the California Family Council. Jonathan, welcome back to Washington Watch.
7: Hey, Tony, it's great to be with you. I'm, I'm sorry I can't be there in person, but, you know, California is such a big state. The, uh, the four-hour drive was a little bit too much today.
1: <laughs> uh, believe me, I know how big it is. I, I thought it was uh, like driving through another state one time, and I drove uh, from top to bottom. and took me forever. All right, uh, let's start off with San Francisco, where the D.A. was ousted. Tell us about the significance of this.
7: Well, Tony, this is the DDA uh, District Attorney Chesa Bodine, and he was elected as part of George Soros' huge progressive prosecutor project several years ago. And... F- I know George Soros is a kind of a name that gets thrown around as a bogeyman in conservative circles from time to time but in this case there's no denying this he actually was trying uh, city by city and in some cases state by state to try to elect prosecutors to do that what he could not get done at the ballot box or in the state house rather than actually changing laws, rather than decriminalizing things like marijuana possession or prostitution or all sorts of other crimes, uh, he decided to go and have a version of nullification led by these progressive prosecutors. If you can't actually change the laws, you'll just instead decide to not enforce them. And that's exactly what we saw from Mr. Bodine over the last several years. And as you said, Even for the deep, deep blue city of San Francisco, one of the most progressive, one of the most I mean, tragically, even though it's named after St. Francis of Assisi, one of currently the most godless cities, I think, in the country, this was even a bridge too far for them. They looked at the skyrocketing property crime. They looked at the automobile thefts that were off the charts. They looked at the homelessness, the the drug use. I mean, Tony, large parts of the city are basically one open-air drug den, and they decided, finally, we cannot go on living like this. Uh, Tony, I have a good friend who's a progressive woman. She's She's a researcher for Stanford University, not exactly a bastion of conservatism. Even she and her family moved out of San Francisco because they were finding used drug needles in their kids' sandboxes at the local playgrounds. I mean, it was at the point where it was totally untenable. And I hope that uh, Democrats and other would-be progressive prosecutors around the country take note of what happened to Mr. Bodine.
1: I mean, you, you mentioned this godlessness. Well, that godlessness that's been there for now for uh, decades it has resulted in lawlessness. And it is. it is. It's one of the—I mean, it's just— I've, I've been by, I've driven by, I've not gone in and stayed there lately in the last decade. Yeah. Uh, but it is uh, the homelessness, uh, the, the drugs, the, it's, just, it's horrible. Um, so alarm bells should be going off for Democrats because this is an issue of law and order. It's an issue of safety. I mean, when you combine that with the economy, uh, they're not doing so well.
7: No, and California obviously has some of the highest gas prices in the nation. Um, Tony, I was actually back at a conference in Nashville just last week, and looking around at the gas prices in the mid-$4, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, what I would give to have those prices in California. Um, I don't think I have filled up my tank for anything less than $5 in months and I've even seen some friends down in your uh, current stomping grounds, down there in Orange County, they are paying $6 a gallon, even I've $7 seen, yeah. a gallon.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know, it's crazy. I, I, before we run out of time, uh, a Texas state representative announced over the weekend that he was going to introduce legislation banning drag queen shows that have children in the audience as a result of something happened in Houston. Well, you have a state senator here, Scott Wiener, who uh, is now proposing to put this into curriculum in K-12s. through 12s. And, I mean, I would take this guy at his word because, I mean, he's actually authorized and uh, authored legislation that has uh, decriminalized sex offenders and making them not have to uh, file for the registry, and it was, it's now in the law. So this guy, you need to take him at his word.
7: You know, Tony, I wish I could say, Senator Wiener, um, I wish that I could say that he was just being a troll. Uh, he is very active on Twitter. He does like to poke fun at anything uh, that is conservative, anything that uh, even has a whiff of Christianity. He really mocks and belittles. But in this case, I think you're right. I, I wish that we could just say that this was him being kind of a jerk. But sadly, he is one of only 40 elected state senators in the state of California. He has an incredible amount of power right now, Tony. He has another bill that's going through that would authorize 12 year olds to consent to vaccinations on school campuses without parental consent or notification. That could be covid vaccines. That could be HPV vaccines. I mean, this is the level of disdain that many elected officials in California have for yeah. parental rights and for people of faith.
1: Well, Jonathan Keller, thank you for what you do here in the state of California. We're grateful for your leadership, and, uh, and thanks so much
7: for joining us today. Thanks, Tony. Always good to be with you.
1: All right. Coming up, folks, guns have been in the headlines since the recent mass shootings in Texas and New York. What is the real solution? Yes, we need to do something, but what is that something? Dr. Carson joins me next. Don't go away.
6: Religious liberty is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's own choosing and to live in accordance with those beliefs. It is an inherent human right. Therefore, Family Research Council's Center for Religious Liberty strives to advance religious liberty for all people of all faiths. Advocates for strong religious liberty protections are often labeled bigots. But for those familiar with the history of religious liberty in the United States, until recently it was embraced by a majority of Americans. In fact, religious liberty has historically had bipartisan support today efforts to restrict this freedom have become increasingly common therefore christians need to articulate with greater clarity why we support religious liberty and why all people are served when religious liberty thrives access the center for religious liberty's free resources to learn more at frc.org religious-liberty
0: In today's culture, there are few examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need a model of leadership, strength, courage, and sacrificial love that they can look to. But where can they find it? Try our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. We seek to help men develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. We invite you to join us at a Stand Courageous men's conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do, and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have the generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com.
4: At Family Research Council, we want to be able to keep you informed on our latest resources and events. Due to the growing threat of tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've created a text subscription platform so that we can stay connected. So if we get canceled, you can continue to receive updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742.
1: This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. And be sure and check out the new site, and that is Washington Stand, where you can find biblical commentary and news. News and commentary from a biblical perspective. In fact, my next guest has an op-ed placed on there, and he is talking about what is our first priority, our first freedom. And we're going to talk about that in the context of what's happening right now in Capitol Hill. The House uh, is uh, moving right now, even as we vote, on gun control legislation. The president, uh, last week after the shooting in Texas, uh, went before the nation, and, and this is what he said. It's time for each of us to do our part. It's time to act for the children we've lost, for the children we can save,
8: for the nation we love. Let's hear the call and the cry.
1: Let's meet the moment. Let us finally do something. Yes, I agree. We must do something. But we must do something that actually does something. And what is that something? Well, that's the question for my next guest, Dr. Ben Carson, former secretary of housing and urban development and presidential candidate. He is now the chairman of the American Cornerstone Institute. Dr. Carson, welcome back to Washington Watch.
8: Thank you, always good to be with you. Uh,
1: Dr. Carson, let me ask you this question. We're hearing a lot, it's it's tragic. I mean, I, I can't imagine there's a parent in America that is not touched by what happened in Uvalde, Texas. Yes, we need to do something, but should we not do something that actually accomplishes what we want, making our children safer?
8: Well, see, that would involve logic and common
1: sense as opposed to
8: emotion. And so often we just react emotionally. The question that we should be asking about the various proposals that are being put forth is, would this have stopped that incident from occurring? And, you know, the previous incident and the incident before that, would this have stopped it? If the answer is no, then let's move to the next solution. But let's look for solutions that actually accomplish something. And we don't want to lose in this discussion the actual reason for the Second Amendment. Second Amendment is not about deer hunting. The Second Amendment is about people having the means to protect themselves, you know, from criminal elements and from an overly aggressive government. Uh, You can't do that with a pea shooter. So if you look at Countries like Cambodia, China, Venezuela, so many others who became dictatorships, they always take the guns away first. Why is that? And they always seem to have a good reason for taking the guns away, make the citizens defenseless, and then be able to control them. And that's the very reason that our founders put that in there. So we need to be cognizant of that. And we need to be looking for real solutions that will stop this. The school in in Texas, what would have stopped it? Certainly, if the school had been hardened, they only had one way in, that was a guarded way. Uh, I don't think that would have happened. Those are the kinds of things that we should be talking
1: about. When we look at who these shooters are, these are young men uh, who are, in many cases, they're isolated. They're under stress, they're uh, in crisis. Um, In fact, the the most recent study I've seen of a a couple of decades worth of these shootings, 82% of these young men came from broken or dysfunctional homes. I mean, why are we not having a conversation about that?
8: Uh, Because that would be getting to the heart of the matter. And we like to just deal around the periphery and deal with the symptoms, but there's no question. We've moved away from our faith, and we've moved away from our families. And if you look at some of the writings of some of the Marxists uh, several decades ago when they were talking about how to bring down the United States, they said we have very strong family structure and a very strong faith. And if you can interrupt those things, the United States would fall quite rapidly. Uh, I think they're right. But I don't think it's too late to correct that. But, you know, when you look at a place that has even more guns per capita than the United States, Switzerland. And yet their gun homicide value is very, very low because they teach people how to use the weapon when they turn of age to receive a weapon. And virtually everyone there has a weapon. So that's what we should be looking at. If we disarm the good citizens, then we just leave the the bad citizens, the criminals, to run rampant
1: and with nobody to stop. Because they're certainly not going to obey the law. No, they don't care. But the the Second Amendment, I think, is at risk uh, because it's been misused by some because we've neglected, I think, our First Amendment. And that is freedom and our first freedom. And you actually have a piece that is up at Washington stand talking about the importance of this first freedom, our freedom of religion.
8: Right. Because our religion really gives us our belief system. Who are we? What are our values? And when we don't have values, what begins to happen when we lose our respect for life, for instance, from the womb to the tomb, then we don't care not only about the babies in the womb, but we don't care about those drug addicts on the street and all the people who are languishing out there. And we become callous in our attitude toward each other. And when that callousness occurs, uh, particularly among these young shooters, uh, they really don't think about the other person. They don't think about their lives. They don't think about their families. Uh, they just think about the hatred that is harbored in their heart. And if you don't have the love of God, something else is going to replace the emptiness.
1: And, and that is what uh, some of the studies show, is that one of the elements, there's like five elements that are common among so many of these uh, shooters, is a, a loss of moral sense of, uh, of right and wrong. But when we've kicked God, we've expelled him out of our schools. We no longer have prayer. We don't have the Ten Commandments. We certainly don't have the Bible. It has allowed evil to move to the head of the class. I mean, it is what is dictating what's happening in our school. So it it, it frustrates me, Dr. Carson, that we're even, (laughs) we can't figure this out. It's so easy to connect the dots. We've removed morality and religion, and now evil, death, and destruction has come in.
8: Because uh, many just don't want to acknowledge that there is such a thing as evil, and that there is an evil force, um, and therefore they have to invent other things. And it's it's sad. You know, the Bible tells us, you know, that the, the human heart is desperately wicked. You know, who can know it? Uh, we have to have the love of God that comes in and permeates us and gives us the ability to love our fellow man. And that's one of the real Christian values. Love your neighbor as yourself, not hate your neighbor, not cancel your neighbor, but love your neighbor. And when we throw that out, those other things come in. And that's why we're seeing so much hatred, bitterness, intolerance, uh, I mean, this is almost like a different country than it used to be. Yeah.
1: Uh, And it's happened very rapidly. It's happened very rapidly. Uh, It has. And and we have
8: people who are driving wedges between people on the basis of of race, religion, income, age, political affiliation
1: you name it, they're driving wedges. So we've diagnosed the situation. It's pretty bad. The hour is late. Um, and and, I, and you said we can turn it around and I agree with you. I think we can turn it around, but it's going to require intentionality on behalf of, I believe people that are people of faith that, that know the Lord Jesus Christ and are willing to stand up for truth. So what do we need to be doing? What do our, our viewers, our listeners, those that have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and understand the morality and those principles you talked about, what do we need to be doing right now?
8: Well, first of all, we need to understand that God is in control. Uh, But we also need to understand that we all have a sphere of influence. And we can affect what's going on in that sphere of influence by the way we behave ourselves and the way that we treat other people. That is so essential. And it does require courage. And we also, in this country, have something that's very special. We have a democratic republic which means we elect people to represent us. And it's so important to make sure that the values of the people that you vote for line up with your values. And a lot of people won't do that. They just go into the voting booth and they look for the name that looks familiar. Oh, yeah, I know that name. And that's the one they check. Well, that is a very awful way to vote. And if we begin to vote our values, we begin to see some real changes occur.
1: Yeah, a great point, because that is name ID. That's why they spend so much money on TV just putting their name up over and over. Uh, But folks, as I've talked about before, we have resources available for you to help you when you go into the voting booth, whether it's the primary election or the general, go to frcaction.org, voter resources. I know Dr. Carson is involved in these uh, efforts as well. Uh, I like what you said because I think it is the thing, from my perspective, that is missing, that is courage. That's why people shrink back in silence because of a negative social media post or some, you know. And I I really think that's the intention of the media and the others by mocking people of faith. It's to to take away our courage, discourage us.
8: Uh, To discourage us from talking about our faith, from acting our faith out. And, uh, you know, this whole thing about white guilt, uh, which is being used, to, the race issue, to as a cudgel to beat people into submission and make them feel guilty. Well, if they feel guilty, what do they do? They stand in a corner with their head down. They don't mm-hmm. shout to the heavens when you defund the police, when you let dangerous criminals out to terrorize neighborhoods, when you don't guard your southern borders, when you do a whole host of things. They just stand silently by and that's got to change.
1: Yeah. Uh, we need to have courage, the courage to speak up in the face of opposition. And, and, and I, l- I love what you had to say, because it's each of us have a sphere of influence. Uh, it might just be in our home. But as parents, we have influence. And studies okay. show this. Actually, our kids do listen to us if we'll speak to them and we'll walk out what we tell them and that, that there's mm-hmm. consistency in what we say and what we do. But parents for, look, you know this, Dr. Carson, because you're putting together resources for parents. In fact, I'd like you just to tell our viewers and listeners about some of the resources that you are helping counter this narrative that America is a bad country, and you're putting this yes. into the hands of, uh, of parents. Tell us about it.
8: With uh, American Cornerstone Institute, we have a, a segment called Little Patriots, and you can go to littlepatriotslearning.com and see the lessons that we have, K through five, uh, that teach the children the fundamentals of the values that made America into a great nation. And it gives you our true history, warts and all. We don't try to hide anything, but put it in perspective. It helps people understand our Constitution and our Bill of Rights and our Declaration of Independence and the fact that our rights come from God. And those are the things that that helped us to go from zero to 60 miles an hour as a nation so quickly. We rose to the pinnacle of the world in record time because of values that we had. It was not a coincidence by any stretch of the imagination. And as we throw those values away, we will decline as well.
1: And, and our education system is not they're not teaching those values, not teaching that no. history of our country. And we need Correct. to know it. So that that gives us actually the courage to stand up and defend this country. So the knowledge is important. The courage okay. then comes and we need to speak out and we need to I mean and I'm not saying speak out in terms of yelling and screaming, but engage in conversations, whether it's in the Absolutely. workplace, whether it's in the neighborhood or the church. We cannot afford to be silent any longer. Absolutely. And let me just mention that uh, the little patriots
8: is free of charge. We've gone through great uh, lengths to make sure that we get enough underwriters to underwrite the program so that it would be accessible to anybody. Uh, homeschools, uh, private schools, public schools, all schools. And, and homeschooling, by the way, has doubled since 2020. Yeah. And uh, it is a tremendous place uh, to use a product like this.
1: Well, Dr. Ben Carson, it's always great to see you and talk with you. So grateful for the work that you do. Uh, you're, you're a true American patriot, and uh, glad to, that I can call you a friend. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much,
8: and right back at you. <laughs> All
1: right, Dr. Ben Carson. Find out more, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, and follow the link over. I mean, he doesn't need to do this, but he loves this country. Uh, he's very successful as a surgeon. He could retire and enjoy life, but he continues to uh, to give back to this country. Uh, he's, he's a great American, and I'm uh, very grateful for him. You can find out more about the organization and what he's doing at American Cornerstone. Go to TonyPerkins.com. I, I just got, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like a broken record, but he's absolutely right. We've got to do what we can with what we have, right where we are. Use your influence. Don't be silent. I am telling you. Our country is at risk. We are at risk of losing this country if we do not stand up. Now, the good news is I see parents all across this country. I see pastors starting to stand up and proclaim truth. I see Christians that see and understand the seriousness of this hour, and they're not shrinking back into the shadows. They're speaking out. But we need you to join them as well. This is our country. I know we're citizens of the kingdom. We're also citizens of this country, and we need to do our very best to pass it on to the next generation in good shape. Our freedom's intact. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words that the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.